You're listening to the Whitewater Church Podcast. Before we jump in, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and rate and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, or you want to join us in blessing our communities, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org slash give, or click on give in our show notes. Whitewater services are made possible by your generosity in action. Let's dive into this week's message together. Hey everyone, my name is Michael. I'm the creative arts worship pastor here at Whitewater. And today we are continuing our series, Becoming a Study Through James, where we're learning from the book of James about how to be truly and fully human the way God intended us to be. Who are we becoming is the question that James continually asks. And I get to teach today from James 3, 1 through 12. Verse one, my brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers because we know that we teachers will be judged more strictly. Oof. Thanks, George. All right. We all make mistakes often, but those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like bridled horses, they can control themselves entirely. When we bridle horses, we put bits in their mouth to lead them wherever we want. We can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them, but pilots direct their ships wherever they want to with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord, our Father, and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessings and cursing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it shouldn't be this way. Both fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring, do they? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And fresh water does not flow from a salt water spring either. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you would take this teaching and you'd open our hearts. You'd allow us to learn from James and learn what you would like us to know. Um, Give us open hearts and open minds to hear from you today. Amen. The power of our words have never been more obvious to me than 2020 and 2021. It feels like kind of one year, but how many of you guys have gotten in rifts with your friends or your family over politics or COVID? How many of you found yourself keyboard warriors on Facebook or stepping in an argument on social media that you immediately regret? I know I did that uh, once this last year. I try not to do it, and I I did. I responded to something and just immediately knew that was just the worst idea. And how many of you had to unfollow friends this past year, you know, because the stuff they were posting caused you to not like them? (laughs) I know I've had to. I think that James speaks directly to what we're going through right now, and I want to break down this section into three parts. Our words are weight, our words are fire, and our words are water. James starts out by saying, My brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers because we know that teachers will be judged more strictly. 
it's easy to read this passage and say, you know, well, that's, that's why I'm not a teacher. It's why I'm not a pastor. This doesn't apply to me. But I think James's point is that our words carry with them great weight. And I would also suggest that when we post our ideas or our opinions on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, we are assuming a position of teacher. And social media is a, such a funny place. Like before social media, your words still have power, but it stays within a group. You know, if you're talking to some friends and you say something that's hurtful or, or off color, you have the opportunity to be corrected or challenged on your ideas. But on the internet, they go out and they live forever and they go so much further. They have the opportunity to hurt so many more people, to be taken out of context so easily and to become divisive. Social media, through its indirect nature, seems to provide an anonymous space to speak freely without the need for relationship or accountability. We continually forget that on the other side of the keyboard aren't just opposing ideas, but people. We can fall into the trap of saying things and posting things we would never say to someone's face. And I would just encourage you as a rule of thumb, don't post anything you wouldn't say to someone's face. Why should we be cautious about placing ourselves in the seat of teacher? James says in verse 4, Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them, but pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. You know, as I'm filming the sermon right, right now, our skies are filled with smoke. I actually drove back from eastern Washington yesterday, and it is uh, so smoky over there from the forest fires. You can only see about five car lengths in front of you. And this analogy is, is so applicable to right now. I mean, just think about the amount of damage that these fires have, have done, the amount of property damage, but it does to our air quality, to our lungs, people who have lost their lives and their homes, all because of a gender reveal party. I was sitting at my father's cabin and the air was about 110 degrees. It was at night, 110 degrees was hot. And the air was filled with just smoke particles and a lightning storm came over. And I just thought to myself, this is the worst conditions for a lightning storm. I mean, everything is just primed to catch on fire. Everything is dry. Everything is, is just the right conditions for a fire. And I feel like that's such a great representation of our world right now. I feel like everyone is just dry and fragile and ready to catch on fire. And our words have the ability to bring great destruction if we're not careful. N.T. Wright writes, We know only too well from the way the media eagerly trips up politicians and other public figures that one word out of place can ruin a career or bring down a government. One unwise remark reported and circulated on the internet can cause riots on the other side of the world. This year has been a case study in this. Our words are a witness. Jesus says in John 13, I give you a new command, love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. And you might say, I'm loving people by speaking the truth. 
and we are to speak the truth, but in love. And how does scripture define love? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaint. It isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Mocking someone or someone's belief or a group of people's beliefs is not love. When have you ever been made to feel loved or effectively challenged or got yourself to consider your own beliefs by being mocked? It's not loving. In the U.S., we enjoy this incredible liberty called the freedom of speech, which is the right to express opinions without government restraint. It's a democratic ideal that dates back to the ancient Greece. The ancient Greeks pioneered free speech as a democratic principle, and as you know, in America, it is our First Amendment right. However, just because in America we enjoy this freedom does not mean that our speech should not be governed. As followers of Jesus and members of his kingdom, our speech is to be governed by the law of love, as laid out by Jesus. Verse 11, both fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring, do they? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And fresh water does not flow from a saltwater spring either. It's interesting that James contrasts fire with water. Water has the ability to put out fire. And not just that, but water also brings life. Are our words starting fires or putting out fires? Are we bringing destruction or are we bringing life? James says, fresh water doesn't flow from a saltwater spring. Our words reveal what's in our hearts. They are an overflow. You want to know what's going on in your heart? Step back and take a look at your words. Your words show you what you have been focusing on. And man, this, this really hits home for me. I just about every time my words are not loving or are hurtful or flippant, not seasoned with love or humility, it's coming from a deep place of anxiety, anger, fear, or hurt. What comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our hearts. And man, I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired. I, uh, the pandemic this year, it's got me emotionally raw. I've experienced anxiety for the first time. Like I'm not, I'm not a very anxious person. And I've had moments this last year where I just like, it's hard to breathe. My chest feels tight. It's not a logical thing that I'm anxious about. Like my body's physically feeling anxiety and I'll talk to friends. They'll go, yeah, that's how I feel all the time. I have a new empathy for that. I'm experiencing grief, the loss of things and the way things were. And um, my temper is shorter and I'm not always aware of what I'm feeling, but it spills out in the way that I talk and the way that I interact with people. And, you know, James says that salt water and fresh water cannot come from the same source. So how do we exchange our salty water with fresh water. We need more intake. What are we putting in our hearts? What are we focusing on? Our words reveal what we've been focused on. Are we focused on fear? Are we focused on you know, political party to bring us hope? Or are we focused on the goodness of God and His faithfulness? And you know, one of the ways that I've done this this past year has been worship. I'm the worship pastor. Worship is a 
important way that I connect with God. And, and it's, I've, it's been more important to me this year than ever before. It's a way for me to express my emotions and what I'm feeling and to remind myself of God's goodness, of his faithfulness, to choose thankfulness over bitterness, to be brighter and not bitter, as George would say. And I encourage you, whatever that is for you, whether that's worship, um, you can find our, our, our worship at our church under Whitewater Worship Band, wherever you stream music, iTunes, Spotify. Or if for you, that's spending time in God's, in God's word, in prayer, in meditation, going for a walk, being in nature. There's all kinds of ways that we can fill up our hearts with God's goodness, have a bigger intake. That's the only way to flush out the salt water, the anxiety, the, the fear, the anger, the hurt, is to process that by spending time with Jesus. I want to leave you with this verse. This is one of my favorite verses, and may this just be a picture of the type of people we want to be at our church, and I, I think it really sums up this point well. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other. And if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other as the Lord forgave you. So also forgive each other. And over all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts. Listen to that. The peace of Christ. Peace is the opposite of anxiety, of fear, of anger. Is peace, and God offers us his peace. How do we fill our hearts with God's peace? A peace into which you were called in one body, says, and be thankful. Choose thankfulness. The word of Christ must live in you richly. Spend time in his word. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. So may we remember the weight of our words and be careful when we speak, especially when we're tired and we're worn down and we're anxious. It's important that we are extra careful with our words and remember just the power of our words, the power to, to bring destruction or to bring life, to bring hope or hopelessness, to tear someone down or to build someone up. I invite you, as tired as you may be, to rest in the goodness of God. Spend time with Jesus. Receive the peace that only He can offer, the peace that surpasses understanding, the peace that we can have even when the situation around us is not peaceful. God gives us His peace, and I invite you to fill up your hearts with His goodness, with His peace, and may that overflow to the community and the people around us that God's put in our life to love. Thanks again for listening today with us. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or want to contact Whitewater Church, you can reach out to us at info at or click on contact in our show notes. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.